Well, it's about what we do together. So we're going to get into the Word today to learn more about that. Uh, When we hear this Word together, we understand that God has created us to be in community. And it's in community that we're able to do things in a really strong and powerful way. In fact, last week we learned that uh, we learn more effectively when we do it together. We're able to gain more knowledge when we do it together. And it's cool because God created us with the ability to gain knowledge, and he did that in order for us to learn what we need to learn so that we can change who we are in our character. God wants us to gain knowledge so that our character can develop and so that we can become people who more, more better, better, better reflect who he is and what he created us to be, who he created us to be. We learned about character and that character really is connected with love, that our character is defined by our love. For example, if I love myself more than I love other people, I become very selfish in character and my life becomes about me and often at the expense of other people. It's selfishness. But then there's another type of character, and it's a selfless character where I see that uh, I love myself, but I love others as much as I love me, even to the point where I put more value in others than I do myself, which causes me to be willing to give of myself for the benefit of other people. That's a selfless type of character, and that's who God wants us to be. In fact, he gave us an example of someone who was that very thing for us, and his name is Jesus. It's really cool because when you think about our gaining knowledge and thinking about becoming who we are to become, God has put in place the things that we need to be people who make a difference. But we need to become that person who makes a difference. In other words, we need to grow into being that person. And that's what I wanna talk to you about today that we grow together to be who God wants us to be. This whole idea of learning and growing, they're connected. Even in the scriptures, they're connected. And we hear about it in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, where it says this, but grow, everybody say the word grow, grow, fantastic. But grow in the grace and knowledge. So the knowledge is the learning part, right? That's what we learned about last week but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. When we grow the way in which we're supposed to and gain the knowledge that we need to live life, then we bring glory to Jesus. In other words, we bring attention to who Jesus is and what Jesus is all about. What is Jesus all about? Jesus is about love. He's about God's love. He's about showing God's love. Now I want you to keep that in mind because now it makes really important sense for us of why we're learning what we're learning today. If Jesus is someone who reveals God's love, I'm, so, I'm supposed to be the person who shows God's love, then I need to grow to be that person. Now think about the verse that we just read, the very first part of it, it said, but grow in grace. Because the love of Jesus is a very specific type of love. It's a gracious love. So if I'm gonna be like him, I have to be gracious as Jesus is gracious. 
So that's what we're going to learn about today. We're going to learn how to be that kind of loving person. And we're going to do it by looking at a passage of scripture found in the book of 1 John, which was written by the Apostle John. Uh, John is known as the love apostle because he wrote so much about this whole idea of love. And John was a good person to be talking about it because he's one of the, the disciples, one of the apostles that had the strongest relationship with Jesus. There were three that were really close to Jesus, Peter, James, and John. So John wanted to make sure that people who were believers were confident in their faith. They were confident in what they had decided to do, that what they believed in was true and made a difference. So he wrote this letter. It's the letter of 1 John. He wrote this letter to them so that they would have confidence in their faith, but he also wrote this letter for another purpose. It was to prepare them to deal with false teachers and other people who would come against believers to try to get them to stop loving God and to start loving the things of the world. Isn't that what we face today? I mean, that's what we face. God wants me to be a person of love and to love him and to be loving like him. And the world is trying to get me to stop loving God and stop showing his love. Instead, have a worldly type of love, which by the way, is selfish in character. See the problem? So now we've got the wrong type of character. So John wants people to know who they are. In fact, he wants people to make sure that they really do have a relationship with God. It's reflected in one of the verses that he shared in this uh, letter. It's in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. I want you to listen to it. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life, so that you know that you have a relationship with God. Don't you want to know for sure that you have a relationship with Jesus? Don't you want to know that? I don't know if this has happened to you or not. I've got a feeling it probably has. It's happened to me uh, several times in my lifetime of me questioning about whether or not my Christianity is real, especially early on when I was younger. I questioned my Christianity. I questioned whether I really was a believer. And Satan wants to confuse us about who we are. And the reason why I was questioning who I was is because I started having a love problem. I started loving myself more than loving God, and I started loving myself more than loving other people. And because of that, I sinned. I did things that were very selfish in nature. I was doing things that didn't give evidence that I really had a relationship with God, and it's very confusing. Y'all, there has to be a time in our life where we know that we have given that evidence, that we have lived out that type of love. We, we have to have done that sometime in our life to know that our hearts have changed. Yes, sin can creep back in, but it made me start questioning about whether I was very sincere about what I had done at the beginning because I started thinking, what really have I done to prove that I have a relationship with God? Have I ever given proof that I have a relationship with God? When we do, it changes everything. So that's what I want to read to you about today because that's what John wants to teach us. Look at what the scripture says. It's in 1 John chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. 
He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. If you're excited about that, say amen. We know that we have come to know him. Listen, let me say it again. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. It doesn't give an option. If we say that we're believers, if we have a relationship with him, we have to have lived like Jesus lives. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him, talking about Jesus, and in you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. And there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. So have you given evidence that you belong to Jesus? Well, let's get into all this. What do we learn? On your outline sheet, let's look at number one. It says this, that we need to know the right way to live. All of us need to know this right way to live. I need to know who I am supposed to be so I can grow again to be that person. So what type of person am I to be? On your outline sheet, let's fill in the statement. We need to be like the right one. I am digging this. Y'all, it's awesome. Because John gives Jesus a name. He calls him something. Jesus Christ, in verse one, he called him Jesus Christ, the righteous one. In other words, he's the right one. He's the one who shows us the right way to live. That's what it means to be righteous. He does the right thing. He shows us how it is that we are to be. So the question is, what does that type of life look like? What did Jesus' life look like? On your outline sheet, let's fill in the next statement. We are like him when we give, uh, give of ourselves for the good of others. We even see an example of how he did that for us in the scriptures. This is what he did in verse two. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So Jesus gave his life to take the punishment that, that I deserve for the things that I do wrong. Jesus took that punishment for me. I would say that's doing something really good for my benefit. Wouldn't you say that's true? He did that very same thing for you. In fact, he did it for the whole world, even for the people. Oh, my soul. He even did it for the people who were nailing him to the cross. He even did it for the people who put him to death on that cross. You may remember what he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus was willing to make sacrifices for people so it would be for their good. But get this, on your outline sheet, I want you to write this down. He did the right thing for people who do the wrong things. 
He didn't do the right thing for people who do the right things. He did the right thing for people who do the wrong things. Y'all, it's easy to do the right thing for people who do the right things. Do I have a witness out there? For anybody? They're nice. It's great to do nice things for them. But it's a lot more difficult for us to do the right things for people who are doing the wrong things. It's a lot more difficult to die for somebody who's putting you to death. It's a lot more difficult to make sacrifices for someone who's showing hatred toward you. Yet that's what his love looks like. That's what his love looks like. In fact, it has a name. On your outline sheet, write this next statement down. He proves his love by giving us grace. He gives us grace. Grace is is giving to the undeserving. I deserve, you know, death. But Jesus gives me something. He gives me something else. He gives me life. He gives me hope. He gives me hope for a future. He gives me the greatest gift that I could ever receive. Y'all, Christmas is coming, and I'm very excited about it. I know Christmas is coming because Hallmark keeps telling me there are 40 new Hallmark Christmas movies on the horizon. Now, I'm very excited. I'm very uh, conflicted about which movies to delete from my DVR to make room for the new ones, all right? Uh, But it's coming. Christmas is about giving, right? But I want you to get the real true gift of Christmas. The real true gift of Christmas is Christ himself, right? But what is it that Jesus gave us? What was it that Jesus gave humanity? Y'all, the gift of Christmas, y'all, I'm loving it. The gift of Christmas is forgiveness, Jesus came into the world so that we could be forgiven of the things that we do wrong. Did you know that the the one thing that you're looking for, the gift that every person is truly looking for is forgiveness because we all mess up. We all do things that we shouldn't do and we get that, but we need to know someone loves us anyway and is willing to forgive us even in our failures. And that's what Jesus came to do. It's awesome. Oh, wait a second. I'm supposed to be like that too. That's the the message, right, today? That we're supposed to be like Jesus, which means this. I have to be a person who does the right thing for people who do the wrong things to me. Like Jesus made sacrifices for people who were mean to him, I have to do that too. I have to be like Jesus in that. I have to be willing to show grace to people who are that way, yet instead of me being that way often, it's a lot easier to hold on to bitterness when people treat me in a bad way or to be judgmental toward people who are this way toward me or to hold grudges against people who do things against me and not want them to be forgiven, but want them to be punished. Now can you see why it'd be easy to question my salvation? (laughs) Because that's not Jesus. And there are times that I feel those things. But I will say this. There was a time in my past and other times and hopefully today where I was like Jesus. Satan keeps wanting to wiggle his way in and get us to go back to the previous lifestyle. The problem is for those people who never become like Christ, the people who never lived this type of life, the life of Jesus, to give evidence that your heart truly has changed. 
that leads to number two on your outline sheet. It says this, that we need to give evidence that we belong. We need to give evidence that we are a part of God's family, that we are connected to Jesus. I need to grow into the person who gives this type of evidence. So how do I give evidence? Let's write this down. We give it evidence when we keep the commands. The reason why I say that is because that's what John said in this scripture. In verse, verses six and seven, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Again, we just learned that. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but, I, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. So what do we learn from that? There are two different types of commands. And I need to follow both. Let's first of all look at the old commands. We need to follow the old commands. These old commands are found in the Old Testament. Jesus even made reference to these old commands when he was asked, what is the most important command? Right, he was asked that question. And this was the answer that he gave. We've seen this scripture so many times around here. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So Jesus is telling us, here, here are the, the commands, to love God and love people. We hear that constantly around here, all right? We're to love God and to love people. In fact, that's a part of who we are right? We, we, we want people to know that they're loved. That's what our church is all about. But these two things become critical about who it is that we are as people. So do I give evidence that I love God and love people? Well, if I love God and love people, this is what happens. I put, I put them first, so let's write it down this way. Let's do it collectively. We put them first. So I put God first. I put God before everything else in my life. I do this for a reason. I do this when I value them. Now we pick up on this uh, in the scripture. I need to be a person who sees people and they become important to me. I do value them. They are of worth to me. They are worth my time. They are worth my efforts because I care deeply about them. The scripture puts it this way. Paul wrote it in Philippians chapter two. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That's the wrong character, right? Rather in humility, what's the next word? Value. Rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. So what this means is if I put people first, I put more value in other people than I do on myself. And it's proved through my behavior. So let's just ask a personal question. What does my behavior say about who I value? Does my behavior say I value God more than I value myself because I'm willing to make sacrifices for his benefit? Does my value say that I love people more than I love myself because I'm willing to give up things that are important to me because I know it's gonna be good for that person? Does my value say that? Or am I not willing to give up for the good of other people? And if I don't, there is no evidence. We have to put them first. So how do I know? Let's write this next statement down. There's another type of command. We follow the new command. The old command, love God and love people. Well, what's the new command? This is kind of heavy, I guess, but 
John is writing this letter. John says that he gives a new command. John is saying, I'm giving you a new command. Now, John is writing this letter under the inspiration of God. He's leading him to write this letter. All right. But John was also aware of a new command that Jesus had given. See, what happened was John gave this new command, but what he literally did was, is through what he said, he explained to people what Jesus' new command was about. So let's put these two commands together. Hopefully that's not confusing. Jesus said that he gave a new command. It's found in another part in the scripture. We find it where? In the book of John chapter 13. He said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so I'm supposed to be like Jesus, so you must love one another. Oh, this is cool. By this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Y'all, isn't that what this message is about today? How do I know for sure that I belong to Jesus? And Jesus says in his new command, said, you wanna know how you know that you belong to me? Then you love other people the way I love you. There it is. John knew about this command. How do I know? Because he wrote the book. So what does he do in 1 John? He tells us what it looks like when we don't obey Jesus' new command. This was the new command that John gave. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. So in this passage, he tells us the difference. He talks about light and darkness. When I think about light and darkness, I think about a little nightlight that my mama put, uh, that's Southern for mom. Okay, my mama put in my room when I was a little kid, when I was just, uh, you know, elementary school, whatever, I was terrified of the dark, y'all, because I was afraid that monsters were going to come from out, out of the bed or in my window or whatever and get me. And I would tell my mama about this because mama and I had a really close relationship, all right? So I'd tell my mama, so she got me this little nightlight and she put it in my wall and it was a little square nightlight and it had praying hands on it. She said, Tim, this light is going to protect you because it's got praying hands on it and you'll just remember that God's with you, which I, I thought the light had some kind of special power or something. I didn't really understand. Okay. But anyway, she puts it in and it gives light in the room. She did it to remind me that God is with me. She puts light in the room so that I can see a little bit more. Here, here's the reality. Why are we afraid of the darkness? Because we, we think that somebody's going to hurt us in the darkness. We think the monster's going to get us in the darkness. That's what we think about the darkness. I'm going somewhere here. You know what darkness is? Darkness is the act of hurting other people. That's what darkness is. I'm afraid of the dark because I'm afraid I'm going to be hurt. If I live in darkness, guess what? I'm the one who's doing the hurting. But I if I live in light, I give people hope and something much different. John put it this way. He called it the difference between a person who loves and a person who hates. Let's look at definitions of both. A person who loves does this. Love is compassion that leads us to protect, provide for, and promote others in order to meet their needs and assist them 
and living up to their potential. I protect them from harm, right? I'm not causing them, I protect them from harm. I'm providing for them. If they have some kind of need, physical need, emotional need, social need, whatever it is, I'm helping them with that need. I'm promoting them. In other words, I want them to live up to who God created them to be. So I'm gonna help them do that. I do that because I value them. How do I know I value them? Because I have compassion for them. I have compassion for them. And it leads me to do these things, to give of myself, to make sure these things happen for other people. Hate is the opposite of love. I, you know, a lot of people have a hard time. I don't like people say, even use the word hate or whatever. Y'all, I just read to you, it's in the Bible. And John used the idea of hate, but you need to have the right understanding of what hate is. It's the opposite of love. It's the opposite of love. So let's look at a definition for hate. Hate is to not protect, provide for, or promote another person. Why would I not do that? Here's the reason. Knowing that doing so would have a negative consequence on a personal desire. If I protect somebody, if I provide for somebody or promote somebody, if I do that, it's gonna keep me from getting what I want. And now it's keeping me from living the life that I desire. What is that? That's a selfish character. It's the complete opposite of love. It's the complete opposite of love. Y'all ever heard of the sin of commission and omission? Maybe y'all heard of that before. The sin of commission is I deliberately commit a sin. I, I do something to hurt someone else. I want to cause them pain. I want them to be punished for what they did. I commit a sin against someone. The sin of omission is not doing something for someone that would benefit them, but I choose not to do it for them, for my own benefit. I want you to think about both types of sin. If I commit a sin against someone, I hurt them. If I don't give something that someone needs, I hurt them. Don't I hurt them? So my not giving people what they need is an act of darkness. It's not light. Some people say, oh, I'm not out there doing bad things. The problem is you're not out there doing good things. You're not out there doing Things of sacrifice so that people know that they're loved. The way we know we're loved by God is that God gave up something for us and we knew we didn't deserve it. The way your friend is gonna know that they are loved is when they're a jerk, you do something great for them to prove that you love them even though they do mean things to you. Why? Because you want them to get the greatest gift we all need. And what is it? They need forgiveness too, amen? We all need it. So I wanna give you some practical things as we leave. Number three on your outline sheet, we need to grow in grace. How do I do it? Well, first of all, let me remind you what grace is. I haven't given you, literally, I said this, said it a minute ago. Grace is giving to those who are undeserving. That's what it is, so you can fill that in. So what do I need to do to grow in that type of love? First thing, we need to throw away the scorecard and become servants. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. It talks about love being patient, love being kind, all these things. You know what else it says? It says love keeps no record of wrongs. 
So therefore, if I'm like Jesus, I don't keep a record of wrong of what people are doing against me. He didn't do that for the people who put him on the cross or anyone else, nor should I be keeping a record of what people are doing against me. If you are, you're bitter, you're holding grudges, and you want people to suffer. Second thing, let's go ahead and skip to the next part. I'm completely running out of time. Number second thing, we need to recognize our own failures and become understanding. One of the reasons why we have a hard time with other people is because we see them doing things that they shouldn't be doing and they just keep doing it and we judge them for their behavior. We judge them for doing things that are wrong. And because we judge them, we're condemning them. Here's the reality of it. Y'all, we are all sinners saved by grace. Do I have a witness out there from anyone related to that? We're all sinners saved by grace. What does the Bible say? Let's all read it together. Romans 3, 23, let's read it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I need to understand something about someone who does something evil. I'm also a person who's done evil. And I need forgiveness just like that person needs it. Third and final thing. We need to become more compassionate by spending time with people. I need to grow in my compassion for others. And the way I'm gonna do it is when I attach to other people. We've learned this in, in this series about the importance of attachment. We attach with other people and the way we do it is we literally spend time with them. That's what Jesus did. He went from town to town and spent time with people. And the scripture says this in Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus spent time with people and his compassion grew. The more we spend time with people, the more we begin to understand why they do bad things. Here's the problem. The problem is we see people do bad things and make judgments. Listen, our heart changes when we get to know that person and understand why that person does bad things. Because when we understand why the person does bad things, we understand they need a change of heart like everyone else. So what change of heart do they need? This is the cool thing about what Jesus noticed. Jesus said this. I don't know if you picked this up before in this scripture, but saw the crowds, had compassion on them, and then he said this. They were like sheep without a shepherd. This is what their need was. They were roaming around, doing their own thing, living their own life for their own benefit because no one was showing them the right way to live. When you talk about a sheep being without a shepherd, it's like a sheep's just going out there with nobody to protect them, no one to provide for them, no one to help them in any way. They're just trying to make it on their own. And what Jesus said, here's their need. There are people in this world who are drifting around, doing their own thing, living life in this world. And what they need is someone to show them the right way to live. And Jesus came to show them the right way to live and he put you in your house for you to show people the right way to live, and he put you in your business for you to show the right way to live, and he put people in a house next to a neighbor, those jerks who need to know how to live. When will they know how to live? 
when we become like Jesus. Are you confident? I'm not here to try to talk anybody out of their salvation. I ain't one of those guys. What I believe is eternal life is eternal life. If it's eternal, that means you can't lose it. It's not temporary. But it has to have first begun, which means if you truly gave your life to Jesus, it wasn't about you missing hell or getting something that you want or get out of trouble. It was because you know that you broke the heart of God and you needed to be forgiven for what you did. And it changed you for eternity. And how do you know? You want other people to be changed for eternity who act just like you did. So if you give an evidence, it may be that you did it one time, but you've drifted away and now have found yourself in sin again and holding grudges and doing these things. I want to encourage you today to be a person who sees Jesus through you.